Tonight, we got a great guest for you, Renisha Johnson, Miss HBCU Social Worker. Stay tuned. Talking Junk Network, where entertainment lives. Welcome to Talking Junk. I'm your host, Jason Melendez. Live now every week on Fridays. Talking Junk. A multitude of professionals in different aspects, different walks of life. You have to come on and talk junk like a normal person. Tonight's episode is brought to you in part by Heaven's Pantry's Excalibar, the only chocolate energy bar that is a 100% vegan brownie. This thing is amazing. Go get yours right now. Order it off of Amazon. Use the promo code HPStreet to get 20% off your first order. And then use our promo code TALKJUNK69 to get 10% off every order after that. You cannot beat these deals. Go get you an Excalibur now. What are you waiting for? We're also sponsored tonight by Dizzle, the premium liqueur coming straight out of L.A. This thing is amazing. It is mango-flavored liqueur. It is 80-proof, and it is only classified as a liqueur because it is a mixture of tequila and cognac with hints of mango and some citrus in there. This thing will mix with anything. Go to the dizzlebrand.com right now and see which distributor gets it to you the fastest and the cheapest and get you a dizzle. If you don't dizzle, what are you even doing? Welcome to Talking Junk. Tonight we got a great guest for you. Ms. Renisha Johnson, she uh, she's a social worker in the HBCU. Why don't we bring her on and see which HBCU it is? Hey, how you doing, Renisha? Hey, Jason, how are you? Good evening, good evening. I'm doing good. Thank you for coming on on such short notice. Oh, no, you know, it's always good to join a friend and chat and share. And so, you know, no better way to spend a Friday night. Right. We got we got our energy bars here. We got our liquor here. We got some more liquor down here. So whatever's your preference, <laughs> I'm pouring. All right, turn it up, turn it up. <laughs> so which uh which college you work for? Okay, only the Southern University and AM College right here in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. We are the only HBCU system. So that means we've got five campuses. Um, and it's just really great to be part of that HBCU family, um, the historically black colleges and universities. And so it's really rich family network. I was educated um in the Southern University system, and now I'm glad to be employed by the Southern University system. And so I'm just always making sure that people know about HBCUs, support HBCUs, go to the games, support the students, send your kids there, you know, get involved, support HBCUs. Definitely, definitely. And then did it take you a long time to get uh, a job there? Well, I graduated um, from the Department of Social Work in 2010 and, you know, went on and got some experiences, but I've only been working for the university for about um, two years, right, right at the beginning of 2020. Um, and so I work in the social work department where I get the pleasure of kind of bringing up the next generation of social workers. I am a passionate and proud social worker. I think social workers are needed anywhere there are people. Um, and so I'm really, I get to be a part of educating um, this, like I said, this upcoming generation of social workers, but I also spend a lot of time working with um, 
new child protection workers, um, which is a really passionate, it's really, you know, close to home for me. I grew up in the foster care system, um, worked in the foster care system and really, really care about trying to keep children safe um, for sure and really prevent um, or address some of those traumas, that those ACEs, right, that we know about that kids tend to experience. Now, I assume that's how you, uh, that's how your your heart got thrown into social work. You you were just in the foster system and you decided you wanted to make a change. Yeah, and I think it wasn't it wasn't that was something that I intended to do um, after going. I think you know I would really I, I I like to think back to like nope when I was in high school like who told me what I was gonna do next because I graduated high school with absolutely no plan. Um, like know, we all do, right? I didn't. I hadn't even applied to college at, by the time I graduated from high school, and so I don't know what my plan was. I guess I was just gonna figure something out. Um, but I had a really impactful cousin who was like, okay, like, you know, what do you want to do? How are you going to make something of yourself? And we ended up, um, getting me applied and accepted into Southern. And I went to school only knowing that I wanted to help people, but I didn't know how I was going to do that. And so I went to school originally to be a defense attorney, um, a public defender more than anything. I wanted to be, um, an attorney. And I really thought that was the way I was supposed to help people. Um, but that, you know, you start taking those classes and you realize, nah, not quite. (laughs) Um, (laughs) what what didn't do it for you um i don't i thought it i think maybe it felt a little bit too impersonal right it really wasn't reaching at the heart it was very let's look at this set of laws and that's what it is but life isn't black and white um like the law is and so i knew i needed to do something different and so i kind of floated around just like anybody in college changing a major every chance you get and so i tried journalism because i'm like well, maybe i'll write to help people because i really do love writing um and i feel like that's something that's helped me in my own struggles in life is just journaling and writing writing blogs and things like that and just trying to find a way to express and get the stuff out because I find myself when you're holding it in, it doesn't do you any good. And when you do let it out, it might help somebody else. Um, so I tried journalism and, and, and that wasn't it either. And finally, I really um, went through um, now, you know, looking back what I was with kind of a depressive episode in college where I just, you know, kind of stopped going to classes. I didn't feel motivated. I wasn't, I, I felt like purposeless. Um, Absolutely. And um, I went to counseling, um, which I'm glad that the university offers to students. So I went to the on-campus counseling center and I kind of was telling them the things that I was feeling. They were like, you need to go talk to the people in social work. Right. And so I went over there and it was like a family. Right. It didn't just feel like these were professors who were only caring about me as a student. They cared about me as a person. They poured into me. They motivated me. And to this day, like I said, tempo, you know, full circle moment. I'm now working in that same um, department. Right. You know, sometimes right next to those same professors who I looked up to and who supported me. And so that's just I'm trying to, you know, give back Sankofa. That's kind of my lifestyle is, you know, go back for that, which you have forgotten. Right. right. You got to each one teach one kind of my mentality for me. Right. And that's it's good that you had that because that's kind of rare to find, especially in our communities. You you rarely find that one person that wants to put you under their wing and show you the right way. Yeah. And sometimes you need that, especially as a kid who grew up in foster care and kind of moving from home to home. And then when I finally did get um, into a relative placement and living with my aunt took me in, um, she was working a lot. She worked two, three jobs sometimes and just really didn't always have the time to really pour into me what I needed. And so, you know, that's what I learned. And what you miss out on in childhood, you still need it, right? You still need that nurturing. You still need that encouragement, that support that helps pour into your self-esteem. But sometimes you just got to go back and get it a little bit later in life. Right. And us as adults, we will look for that everywhere. 
Absolutely. And you just got to make sure you're looking for it in the right places. And sometimes that's not easy um, yeah, no, to do. Right. It's easier to find the wrong people who, to give you the wrong type of attention. Yeah, it's more accessible. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, once you once you figured out you wanted to uh, do social work, what made you settle on working for the college or was it just a good experience that you've had? Um, I think it just ended up kind of being in the right place at the right time. Um, I've worked in a couple of different sectors. I've worked in housing and homelessness um, services. I've worked a lot of um, mental health counseling with youth and adolescents. Um, I've worked in child protection with my very first job. Um, but I always find my heart connected back to child welfare. I think just because that's just who I am. And I feel like, you know, in order for me to make sense of my experiences in life, I have to kind of make that's just my own mentality is I've got to make something some sense of it. Um, and so it really just was an opportunity that was presented to me. And I think it came to me um, at the right time. I was really going through a period in my life where I was feeling like, what am I supposed to be doing? Right. right. And I came this like I said, this opportunity just kind of knocked on my door, um, to be honest. Somebody thought I would be perfect for the role. Um, and here I am. And now I get to do something that I always really wanted to do, but never knew how to get um, really get there into training and facilitation and teaching and things like that. So it's something that I'm passionate about. And it found me more than anything. And how long did you say you were there? I've been here for about two years, a little over two years now. Um, but I've even in the in-between time at between graduation and coming back to the university, I've done internships with the university, I've done volunteer experiences, done things to try to bring alumni back together and just really um pump up social work. Cause I think sometimes people don't understand the importance of social workers, especially when addressing trauma and all the societal issues that we have. We're so much more than little baby snatchers. That's I think people tend to think social work and that's the only job that we have. But like I said, wherever there are people, you need a social worker. Right. And it, that is a, a common misconception. Not all social workers are there to take your kids. Not all social workers are DCF. Oh, goodness, man. You can have so many different careers. Um, therapy, marriage and family counseling. You can work in corporate arenas. You can work for the police, hospitals, all types of things. Hospice. It's so many different fields. I know um, one of my colleagues is a sex therapist and she's the social worker. And it's like people, the students are always like really impressed by that, right? Um, her right away. <laughs> sure We'd love will. to have her on the show. I, oh my goodness, I'm going to give her your contact for sure. Um, and it's just really important that I think people understand um, if you want to get out there and help people, um, you got to find a path to do that. It doesn't always have to be through social work or some professional way, but if you want to help people, there's a way to do There's it. always a way. You just got to be passionate about it. And uh, is it safe to say that that's what brought you to the ACES program? Is that trying to broaden your your aspects on social work? Look, well, another thing that just kind of found me, and I, I guess as I'm here expressing it, you know, opportunities find me and I need to be a little bit more grateful. Um, but uh, Cindy and I met, we were in a training together um, focused on, it was a trauma-informed um, training where we were learning to use simulations. Um, How so? So basically um, in this particular um modality of, of training basically you give um the child it's, it's a lot of child welfare work but it also could be for school counselors as well anybody who's working with children who've experienced trauma is teaching you how to um really address those things and so you get these different really in-depth simulations where people will play the child who's been abused the teacher who's made the report and you really get to practice your skills um in addressing some of these things and how to be more trauma informed so cindy and i met during this, um, we were going through the certification program and it was very, um, 
a lot of sharing involved and, and I try to be transparent. I think that's my like, you know, kind of my mantra, my mantra for these last couple of years. It's like, just let it out, share it, because keeping it in is not doing me any good. And so I was just being very open in the things that I've, I've experienced in my life, going through the foster care system, being a sexual assault of, uh, survivor, just, you know, the general ups and downs of living life, right? Um, and she and I really connected and she told me about ACEs and I thought, um, it was something I was def definitely interested in. I had already kind of been um, diving into trauma-focused um, and trauma-informed work, which I find is where my, my lens tends to focus. And so it's just another thing that I'm really excited that I'm meeting people who are common-minded, who have experiences. Um, you know, the EFG groups I find are really helpful. Um, those essential right. friend groups where we get to kind of just bounce ideas off each other. And I found it's really supportive space. And so I'm excited to kind of go through this program and enhance my skills and knowledge on being able to kind of teach people um, in the community about you're not just, you know, messed up, right? There, there's a scientific thing um, and there's a name to it. I think if you can name some things, you can really start to do some stuff about it. Yeah, because then you just start to dig and you, you start to find these things that this one particular topic has in common and you start branching out and finding these little, just these little nooks that start making sense everywhere. And did it, when you first uh, learned about ACEs, did it come over you like a wave, like it did uh, to me? Like, oh my God, that. It's like, it was like, exactly oh, I'm like, oh, that's why I'm this way. That's how, you know, it really started to help me make sense of my experiences in life and to really draw the connections to say, Okay, you know, I was a kid who grew up in foster care, who had a mom who wasn't supportive, didn't form good attachments, never really knew who my dad was. And now I'm able to see, oh, this is why I, you know, maybe experienced depressive episodes. Or this is why it's hard for me to maintain relationships. And just being able to kind of make those connections, I think, Ace is really, that's what blew my mind about it. Because it's like, everything is tied together. Now it's beginning to make sense. And if I can follow it from... A to B, I can get from B to C, which is the future where you're feeling health, healthy and whole and happy and being able to really cope with things in a more positive way than some of those negative, you know, coping mechanisms that we tend to do when we have ACEs, right? Right. And the, the training is, it doesn't even feel like training. At no. the end of this, we're going to be certified, but it, it feels more like a retreat, like you're going and you're having your own type of therapy. You're, you're yeah. getting to the bottom root cause of your problems and it just so happens to be your classmates problems right so those like you said those essential friend groups they they play a big role because you you're that saying that uh be nice to everybody because you don't know what any what everybody's going mm -hmm. through is a real thing your fellow uh companion is going through the same problems you are they're just tight-lipped right nobody's out there blabbing what they uh what they're going through no. And I think, you know, if we can set the standard and be the model to say, hey, we started with this really tight knit group of people from different walks of life, from different backgrounds, from, you know, so many different ages and generations. And it's a good mix that we have, I think. Um, but they've all got this common thing that they've experienced these um, adverse things when they were children. And now they're talking about it and they're making sense of it and they're educating and they're teaching people how to move forward and how to really draw those pictures and have those conversations. And then, you know, another group will grow from that and they'll start talking about it and being more transparent. And before you know it, it's not things that are held in. It's not that secrecy, you know, that people are holding on to. It's not that shame 
or they right. just it's, it's learning from one another's mistakes right. so history doesn't repeat itself exactly right and and if you you know imagine if you know when you were growing up or you were a teenager you knew that it was okay to talk about your feelings and the things that you had experienced and somebody was there to say oh well let me show you about you know and how to make sense of the trauma that you've gone through or do you even know what trauma is and how it impacts your body and your relationships or your emotions right or your mind yeah absolutely for sure it's just i think we need to get into a place where um there's not so much of a stigma about um i guess like negativity right it's not right. it's not bad to talk about the bad stuff that's happened it's, there should no be it needs to be normalized yeah that's that's what i'm getting at for sure so what are what are your your next steps after uh, the aces training well, I really want to um, kind of really get into doing a lot more um, facilitation and trainings and professional development and things like that. I'm getting some opportunities like that through work, but I really want to be able to branch out and kind of um, be the kind of niche person in my community to go to go to to either help schools. I think this is a project that kind of woke up out of my sleep with this the other night that it's like my I'm supposed to help all of the schools in my community become trauma informed environments. So that children who are coming from a trauma environment at home are at least coming to a school that's a safe place, a safe space for them. And so that's maybe something that I want to kind of work into. And I think ACEs will really help me formulate, be able to get out in the community, do presentations, help teachers, counselors, principals and things like that. And even, um, you know, like I would really like to get into maybe working with um, the local government council, things like that, school board to really get in there and say, how can we disseminate this? to the community at large, right? I'm here in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. Um, we're in the rural South, so you can already think of some of the things that are coming along with that. You think about I'm, poverty. I'm coming to visit about, you for some of those crawfish. Look, come on around Mardi Gras time. It'll be perfect. Um, you know, when you think about, you know, the poverty things that we're experiencing, we're thinking about the inequalities that are here in the South. You're thinking about, and then you compound that with gun violence and families that are separated and the drug abuse is so bad. Um, I think I'm talking about probably every community in America, though, to be honest. Um, and if some of these laws they're passing are any indicators about our future, it's going down the shitter. Right. Absolutely. Right. And so Chicago's basically a lawless state right now. And and there's slavery on the ballot here. Um, so everybody right. get out and vote for sure next week. Um, but if we can get this information out here, because I do think that um, trauma and family issues are at the base, the foundation of a lot of the societal things that we see, right? When we're talking about crime in the community, I think it goes back to people not having what they need, not growing up in supportive environments. And so I just feel like if we start the conversations, we can start to, to be more preventative, right? We're a really reactive society and then react poorly. Right. Um, and so this, the, the, you know, the cycles continue and those, nothing really tends to get better. Well, if we start asking those hard questions, then maybe we can band together and find those answers. Absolutely. Now, that's that's rough. I know you guys aren't the only ones that have slavery on the ballot this election, right? There's, a, there's uh, yeah, like four I, states? Yeah, I think there are a couple of other states. Yeah. And it's really... What the hell is that about? Um, basically, it's, it's asking, is it legal if someone's incarcerated for them to essentially become a slave? And ah. so, you know, are you okay with that being the 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 caveat to still having slavery in America in 2022? And it's like absolutely not. But it's really poorly worded. I think um, on the ballot, I think a lot of people are even the if I'm not mistaken, the person who um, 
wrote the wrote the um, bill um, to get it on the ballot, wants the people to vote no so that he can get, get a little bit of chance to rework it and reword it so that it reads mm-hmm. a little bit better because it is just like every other time you see amendments on the ballot, they're not always super clear. Um, right. And that's something that I find myself passionate about as well, because if we can get some change in politics and legislation, we can kind of not have to have some of these adverse experiences that kids go through, right? Because if we get right. in there, we vote in senators and people who care about putting effective mental health um, as a priority, right? If we put in people mm-hmm. who think that substance abuse is a really big issue in this community, if we put in people who think housing isn't a crisis, maybe we won't have kids experiencing so many ACEs, right? Because their society will be one that is welcoming, warm, and supportive to them, even when they're, um, you know, experience in tough times but that's not how we always live right and that's the goal that's the goal to give everybody a a, a better uh living a better outlook on life but really it's it's not just the the politics the politicians where we need the good people we need yeah. good people in the elite they yeah. uh they run everything people, over here look we we need people who know what it's like to have lived a real life right, right? who are still in tune to the community who can still advocate Right. Whether they right. you know, made it or not. Right. We need people who are really in tune with the community. And we, I think we need people to explain to the community um, why voting is important, how it really impacts their life. What are some concrete ways that voting makes a difference? Because I think sometimes people are just a little bit um, disheartened politics and but we, well, we people can't. don't think there actually counts. People no. don't think they can make a difference. And you hear that so often and it's sad because it's only really because we don't understand how these things work. Um, but also because you you feel like, okay, I did vote, but that nothing changed for my life. My life maybe right. even got harder um, sometimes. And We're so kind of really, naive to those facts. Yeah. There's also violence too. We need to try to keep violence out of our communities. It's getting worse and worse, especially for the black and brown community. We're fucking killing each other left and right. Yeah. It's, it's Rest like, in peace take off. Yeah, you can't turn the TV on or your phone or anything without, you know, some news like that. And then, you know, you think about how uh, that vicarious trauma, right, that we go through to see, you know, maybe I didn't know this person who was killed, but I know that this was a teenager who killed another teenager on the news the other day. So it hurts me. Right. And so I think we've got to do something about that. We've got to give our children opportunities. We've got to give them some hope. Right. Because I think the only way that you get involved with things like that is you don't feel like you have a hope. You feel like that is your future. You don't maybe have not seen better. You don't it's, think that other it also starts with the, the mainstream. Uh, role models. I don't know why that escaped me. <laughs> the, the mainstream role models are to blame for a lot of the, of the societal thoughts with children. Yeah. Oh, oh, he has he has a gun. I, I need one. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? I need to protect my boys. We need to go out. We need to do what we need to do. Something pop off. I'm ready. Right. And it's like... Those are aces. Yeah, absolutely. That, that feeling like you've got to defend something. You've got to be so macho and and you've got to strike before you before somebody strikes you. It's it's a really, um, I guess, a sad mindset to have. But when you think about some of the, the backgrounds, you know, that children are coming from who are involved in this kind of life, because these are young kids, Right. Right. Teenagers, young adults sometimes. Um, and you got to say, look, what happened in their life, right? What kind of aces are they carrying around with them that make them so angry, that make them not? These 20-year-olds are still babies, man. Yeah, absolutely. What makes them not, you know, value their life or feel like they're they're worthy enough to want to do something different? But they gotta, there's got to be conversations about this stuff, right? And there's got to be opportunities 
um, to really be better and have better opportunities to do something different as well. You can't just talk about it with no opportunities for something different. Right. And it ultimately starts where you are in, in the schools. Mm-hmm. You need to educate them there, whether it be through social work or through clubs, after school programs, yeah. after school meetings, anything to, to get the word across. Because that's another thing that's happening in this uh, country that's pretty unprecedented anywhere else. So many uh, school shootings. God, it's sad. It it makes you really be fearful. I don't have any children of my own, but I got my little nieces and cousins. Three. And look, so I know that's fearful every day. Oh, yeah. My daughter's on her way to high school next year. And it's scary to think about that it's not a safe space, right? You never know. It's very unpredictable. Things when you happen. need to start pricing out bulletproof book bags for your child to go to school, it's a problem. Yeah, absolutely. And it's it. you could probably order a gun before we log off. <laughs> Oh, most definitely. Yeah, so it's it's so it's so many different um, levels and layers to that, right? When you think about who are these shooters, what what was not caught before, what stuff went under the you know the, under the radar, was brushed away, and it's sad because you really have children out here who are terrified to go to school, and this is their norm, right? You've got, you've got a lot of these children who are school now who school shootings are the norm. It's not something shocking and new to them, right? Right. I was young when Columbine happened. Um, yeah, me too. Like terrifying. And now it's, and that, was, that was one of the first that I remember. As me too. I feel like I've never heard of a school shooting before that in my life. Right. Um, and to say it's so uniquely American is really scary. It because is. Because it's like, what kind of place, lawless place are we But in? you can say that for a lot of things that's uniquely American. Yeah. Like, I, I, I bet, I bet. The world over that most of the rappers in England aren't killing each other. Look, not at, if they are, they're not doing it at the rate we are. We're doing it right. It's sad, and it's like same thing because those those little rapper kids are coming from the same communities that are broken down, impoverished, no opportunities. And there's if you don't feel like you have any, um, you don't have like you said, you don't have a positive role model to look up to, or the person that you are looking up to is living the life a certain way. Or you think that you can only ascertain a certain lifestyle, and you've never you have seen to hold anything up a different. certain image. Yeah, you've got to you've got to be this type of person to get through your community and be safe. That's all we're gonna keep getting, right? It's never gonna be any change, but we've got to kind of be those change agents, to be honest. We do. Now, how do you uh, how do you approach a child or a, a young adult, rather, because you're in college? Uh, how do you approach a young adult on some of the, the problems that they're uh, going through? Some um, of the emotions that they may convey that they, they don't uh, quite understand yet. Right. Um, I think what I try to do is, number one, be genuine and authentic, because I think that's important, especially with that particular demographic. They're going to know if you're trying to come from a place where, you know, because I, I I can you know say, look, I don't know what it's like to be. 2019 in in this type of time frame where social media is such a big deal where there's so many different type of values that you guys hold important right being you know popular you know it's such a big thing i don't always understand that but i do want to be supportive and so i just try to say look it's okay to have to feel your feelings right it doesn't make you um a weird person but i do find that um, this particular generation, I don't know if they're ZX, whatever. I don't know which one they are. I get confused, too. I get too. confused, too. Um, but, you know, I feel like teenagers, I'm going to say maybe like 16 
to like 21, they are very in tune to their mental health, their feelings. It is very um, much a lot more open to talk about your mental health and the things that you're going through. Um, you can see like there are certain like, you know, sometimes social media is has its you know good times. Right. Because it does help you connect with people who are going through similar experiences. People share their stories a lot more. Um, on social media these days. And so I do find that the youth are a little bit more open um, with saying, look, I've gone through these things, but I think they sometimes feel um, unheard because, you know, us, the ones above them, are maybe not always as supportive or uh, can be a little bit judgmental, say, oh, we went through that. It's not a big deal. Right. And so I think or, we just, oh, what are you even talking about that for? Right. You shouldn't be worried about that. Right. right. But kids have a lot of worries, um, a lot of, you know, things that they, more than us, most of the time. Absolutely. But people tend to think, oh, kids don't have problems and ignore them and don't check in with them. Right. How many times when you grow growing up, did your parents sit around and say, let's, how are you feeling today? How'd that make right. you feel? Right. To none. And right. It's, it, it's naive of us adults to not think about that because we were that child. Right. And you got to think be, about it. You got to be that parent, um, especially if you're going to be a parent. One of my um, good friends, she always makes a conscious effort to be the parent that she wished she had. Right. So she checks in with her kids. They have family meetings. She allows them to vent and get things off their chest and say how she feels. And she gets their opinion on family decisions. And I'm like, that's the way things go. Right. And so she's like always checking in if they want to go to therapy, if they feel supportive, like she's really trying to be, and not even seminar, I'll say trying, she's being a better parent um, than she had. And I think we need a lot more parents to say, look, my mama didn't listen to me, right? I, nobody cared about my feelings. I was overlooked. And when and when you're not talking to children, and I know this from personal experience, when you're not talking to children, when you're not giving them opportunities to express themselves, when you're not genuinely checking in with children, predators and people who can take advantage of kids notice that. Right. And so they that's do. how things happen to children. Right. Because that's how children get abused in any type of way, because they know nobody's going to check on this kid. So do more of being somebody who's consistent. Right. And even if you don't have kids. Right. I tell my niece, you can call me about anything. If you want to tell your mom, you can call me. You have an adult in your life who loves you, who cares about you and is going to take what you say very seriously. Right. I'm going to hear you out. And even if it's just about seventh grade gossip. Right. That's important to you right now. Right. The boy not liking you in class or, you know, whatever's going on, that's important to her. And so she needs to know that she can come to me for something like that. So if something major happens, she knows that she's got a safe, soft place where she can go to and confide in. And I think more people need to be that for children. And I think that's how I approach this generation is like, you can come to me because you're not going to get judgment because I'll tell you I'm, I'm, I'm open. I'm honest. I'll tell you some of the bad decisions I've made. Right. And are still making, right? We're not perfect at all. So I think that helps us. I just try to be really open um, and honest about my mistakes and my missteps and not to help you avoid them because sometimes you're going to still make those mistakes anyway, but I'll tell you the lesson that I learned from it. And maybe you can take that to another experience. Is there a message that if you could give it to every person on this planet, what would that one message be? Um, I think I would have to say something like, it's, it's like, you are enough, right? You have everything that you need inside of you. It may be some difficult things that you don't want to face, but I promise when you start letting it up, letting it out, really dealing with your stuff, right? All that junk that feels bad sometimes, you will feel so much lighter, right? You will walk through this world in love and light, 
right? And I think that will be impactful because if everybody starts doing that self-work, you'll treat people better. And I think that will help communities and, and society kind of improve. So deal with your stuff. <laughs> deal with your stuff and don't be ashamed of it. Don't be ashamed because I think once I got over the shame of my experiences, I really started having more breakthroughs. I started looking at life through a more optimistic um, viewpoint. All right. Now, I know you're a very busy woman and I don't want to keep you too much longer. I, I want to thank you once again for coming on. This was a wonderful conversation. I can't wait for the next time. For sure. And we'll be in touch for sure. Almost definitely. You got you got to see me every month. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's, a, it's a treasure, though. Right. But I, I do want to we, we have to get like a, a, a thing going. We have to have a couple people on from the ACES group at a time to have a big discussion about yes. this. Yes. This is this this is a breath of fresh air to anybody listening who can uh, if if uh you know time permits because you are a busy woman how if if somebody has a problem can they reach out to you where can they find you Um you can hit me up on social media I'm at really row that's R E A L L Y R E A U X um, it's a Louisiana thing, <laughs> but hit me up on really row if you just want to chat slide into my DMs um you know it won't be any I am a professional social worker, but we'll just have casual conversation if you want to chat. But I'm, you know, anybody who needs to talk. I'm don't, and don't be nasty sliding into the Right. Hands now, you look. Hit <laughs> 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 <Hold> me up. <laughs> right. Well, thank you again, Renisha. And uh, let me uh, close this out for the viewers and I'll be right with you. Okay, cool. Another wonderful guest tonight for you guys. And just like she said, man, everybody needs somebody to talk to. We all have these aces. Be sure to have that person that you can talk to. Children, reach out to your parents. Don't go to these strangers where you can be abducted or molested or put into a, a compromising position that you, uh, you'll have aces yourself. So just reach out to your parents. Parents, reach out to your children. No matter how annoyed they might be from your presence, no, how, no matter how many times they tell you that uh, there's nothing wrong, you're their parent. You know if you're doing your job right, you know what's what's bothering your child or if something's bothering your child. Check in. Check in from time to time. And be sure to check in with us every week. Well, we always have a great guest for you. Always. Tomorrow night in the break room, because, you know, we do this multiple times, we got a doozy of an episode for you. We are going to be talking Kanye West, or Ye is what he's being called now. The artist formerly known as Ye, we'll be talking about him tomorrow. So pour up your drink, pick your poison, join us for the most talked about man in America right now, Kanye West. <laughs>